Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Bethany Gilbert, and I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Coram Deo Church, and Pastor Chris Hemmelman of First City Church. On Wednesdays, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life, and today we're talking about sports betting. Hey, a topic that's not a culture evangelicalism or B. Herman Bovink, so... We're tackling a topic here. Man, here we go. Here we go. All the sports betting. All the sports betting. This is an important topic that is on the radar suddenly, and we'll explain why. First, I want to help you as a listener pay attention to that little intro piece that Bethany reads every time we do this podcast. And the the out you notice the intro and outro has been the same for seven years, years on this yep. podcast. Coffee stained. We yeah. say the same thing every time. But here's what I'm, we're trying to capture by that is... This podcast is really, first and foremost, has always been just a way to disciple the people in our own churches. So it's sort of just a thing we do anyway to serve the people in our churches. We do, as you will notice, we do not have sponsors. We do not have advertisers. We do not say things like, this podcast is bought, brought to you by the Vanderblumen Search Group. Man, if that'd you be need, nice. You know, or by Christianity Today. <laughs> yeah, or, <so>. you know, <laughs> we're, we're not trying to sell Draft anything. We make, we make zero dollars off this podcast. And we, so we thank those of you who listen in other contexts, in other places. And part of our goal is, hey, we're gonna sh- we hope that by listening in to how we're talking about things for our own world, it helps some of you think about how those apply in your world as well in various places around the world where you might live and minister and worship and, and serve the Lord. So... Uh, we're thankful. It's always fun to hear from listeners all over the place. And, you know, we do try to like, as people send in topics and say, hey, I'd like to hear you talk about that. It doesn't matter whether you live in Omaha, Nebraska or Alaska. We'll take any, uh, you know, idea that's a good one and run with it. But primarily we try to think about this in terms of how does it just help us do the work of pastoring and shepherding and, and caring for people that we're trying to do anyway. So that's the the sort of intent behind this podcast. And so this topic is one that I think um, is more and more of a pastoral concern. It arises out of actual things in people's lives that come to the surface as you're walking with someone in community. And one of those things is uh, sports betting, or gambling in particular, but sports betting in a much more pronounced way. So I'm assuming you guys have watched some football recently or some sports or some Olympics. And have you noticed, like, here's what happened. I This fall... I use, my, my sons really love watching NFL football, and so usually on Sunday nights, we're watching some highlights and, you know, just trying to catch up on what's happened. And, man, I just started noticing every other advertisement is DraftKings or FanDuel. Or it's, like a, it's like a gambling advertisement. And I was like, why all of a sudden is every ad trying to get me to download an app and bet on games? Some, I just thought it was weird because it kind of came out of nowhere. Lots of them. Yeah. And if you watched the Super Bowl, it was like crypto ads and bet and sports gambling. It's like, you know, and, and then no Doritos or something. You know? No yeah. more Coca-Cola. Yeah, no one, apparently no one eats or drinks anything anymore. We just gamble and uh, buy crypto. Mine so, Bitcoin. Um, here's what changed. This article in World Magazine helped me understand it. Um, in 2018, the Supreme Court ruled unconstitutional the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. This was a piece of legislation that made it illegal in most states to wager on sports. You had to go to uh, Las Vegas or a few other places if you wanted to gamble on sports. When the Supreme Court in 2018 declared that unconstitutional, which was a 6-3 to decision, 
it freed states then to legalize sports gambling. And what happened is about 30 states have so far legalized sports betting. And that has, of course, resulted in a bunch of companies trying to make money and capture that market. And that's what you have suddenly with all these betting apps, FanDuel, DraftKings, and many others. Now, here's the, the re- there's, a, there's a recipe here that I think is a recipe for a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of the shape that has taken in the past. But the recipe is you have something, gambling, that can be very addictive, especially to people who like adventure or who have a high tolerance for risk, which is a lot of young men. There, I heard Ben, <laughs> ben Sass said a few years ago, he's like, there's a reason why when you see a, a sport bike going 80 miles, on Dodge, 80 miles an hour on Dodge Street, it's always a 22-year-old dude. Yeah. You know, it's like you never see like a mom riding a, <laughs> riding a, riding a cross-rocket motorcycle. It's always some knucklehead dude because, because young men particularly have something in their constitution that really sort of adheres to risk uh, in ways that's really good. That's why we like them to volunteer for the Marines and, you know, do things like that. However, uh, it's another reason why gambling is sometimes particularly enticing for men. In fact, this uh, article quotes, excuse me, this article quotes some statistics that say sports betting in particular is way more prevalent among men than women. That's not to say that this isn't a challenge for women also, but it just means it particularly um, seems to aim at men. And that's why most of these ads are like, you know, fast music, fast cars, good looking women. It's, it's like trying to appeal. It's trying to connect this to like the thirst for adventure, love drama. You know, it's, it's targeted at young men in general. And so the combination of gambling, which is addictive and a smartphone app, which makes it instant, right? I don't have to call somebody and place a bet. I don't even have to Wait, I don't have have to do it before the game starts. I can bet in the midst of the game immediately. All by yourself. Yeah, that I think is a very dangerous combination of things. And most people who are paying attention to this are saying, there's going to be some social consequences to this. Uh, And it's another one of those social experiments that we have undertaken that promises to create some chaos. And so I think this is coming to your church or your gospel community, meaning someone you know is going to come forward with, hey, I I have a problem here with sports betting, sports gambling. I mean, this is just going to, this has been in the past, historically, a challenge, and this makes it all the more prevalent. I will bet you $50 right now. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Can we do it on an app? There are, uh, no, we could do it right here okay. physically, okay. which would be very old school. That is old school. I'm kidding. There are some very staggering stats in here, and particularly around Louisiana. Yeah, and how gambling has replaced the oil and gas industry as the number one revenue generator. I do think it's important for us to chop up the fact that some people want casinos and gambling in their state, you know, and this article just because it's going to bring in revenue, right? Like that's that's what everybody wants to say. There's an interesting comment here that in Louisiana, especially problem gamblers make up 7% of the population. I mean, Chris, what if like First City Church was, what if 7% of First City Church was giving at 7%, you know? I mean, that'd be amazing of gross yeah. income, right? Yeah. So like, or think about like if, if evangelicals were 7% of the population in a city, they would be, yeah. that would be like a dramatic influence. It'd be yeah. dominating. Like yeah. 7% doesn't sound like much, but it's a, it's a significant yeah. portion. And so then that argument, you know, like, well, let's get these, let's get gambling in because it'll help us. 
in 96, the Wisconsin Policy Research Institute put the social cost of a problem gambler at $9,469 per year, which would be about $3 billion per year for Louisiana. That's triple the amount gambling brought Louisiana in revenue last year. Yeah, so what that stat is telling you is the costs of gambling are three times as much yeah. as the benefits. In terms of, and the cost, now these are estimates, right? So they're, it's hard to say, here's what a problem gambler costs society. But that's what that stat is trying to do is to say, hey, $9,469 per year per person is the social cost of a problem gambler. Um, and I don't know how they arrive at that For stat, 7% you know. of our state. Yeah. So w- what that's telling you is, and this has always been true. I remember when Nebraska went through, man, it's been probably 20 years ago now, the whole ballot initiative of whether Nebraska was going to legalize gambling. And Tom Osborne and some others were very against it, and other people were very for it, and there was a big debate in our state. But in, in the same way, this is always the case, that the revenue that it generates is people love it because it's like, well, it helps offset property taxes, and we can build schools, and we can build roads, and there's always 10,000 great proposals of what we could do with gambling dollars, and every state needs revenue. And so at, at a level, that argument makes sense. What's never calculated in there is the ongoing consequences to families and to human beings that this creates. Because, you know, the problem here is if 7% are problem gamblers, well, that means 93% of people can do this without a problem, Dusty. I mean, why, why should the 93% not be able to bet on sports? And, yeah, every once in a while you're going to get some person that this is a problem for them, but oh well, right? We, we tend to make these cost-benefit trade-offs. The problem is that the consequences are always unseen and sort of under the surface, whereas the benefits seem like they're right up front. Like, hey, we can get another $100 million in revenue. Why would we not do that? And so oftentimes the trade-offs here, there's, there's not an easy way to say, oh, here's all the lives that are going to be damaged by this. It's a lot easier to talk about how many more new schools we'll be able to build and how, how we can fund the downtown convention center and blah, blah, blah. Well, and the other aspect of this, though, too, that, what we're specifically talking about the sports betting and the apps like this is we've we've also ventured into new v- ways of doing this mm. where I, i'm not going to be surprised if that seven percent doesn't start to go totally up. oh all you mean alone. you mean like it has with teenage girls that we talked about last year right like <laughs> yeah. all the all the ways that social media is exacerbating yeah uh, psychological challenges with teenagers it's gonna, the same thing i imagine will happen because not not to you know in any way justify those older forms of gambling but to do that you had to get in your car yeah. show up <laughs> go to the casino like do all and it was a social dynamic. it was now it's just the the click of your phone yeah. like right there the impulse they're like you don't really have to make all these you know 15 different decisions before you do it and so we're we're removing any sort of block uh check on the impulse it it can't but go up i mean again i'm not i'm not totally. a prophet but i, I will go on record it's going to get worse. Yeah, for wow. sure. Wow, that was <laughs> you really did a resounding. Gone. You broke the table. <laughs> it's for sure going to go up. And then, you know, one of the dudes they interview in this article is like, well, I, you know, I, I earmark $500. And then when that $500 is up, it's just like leaving the casino. Well, not when your debit card is on your phone and you can just quick double click, you know, 500 more dollars. Like that's just way too. You're easy. saying the average person you don't think has that level of self-control and personal discipline. Dusty, I'm what saying, makes you say that? I'm saying 7%. People have so much have restraint, restraint on social media. I can't believe you would think that they would not have that restraint. Let's, let's read a few more stats. Cause I agree. There's some fascinating stuff in this article. Um, in, uh, as these new markets went live, 
um, the meaning the online gambling markets. Americans wagered $42 billion on sports. That's a lot of money. It's a lot. Um, you could do, you could play in a lot of churches with $42 billion. Man, thank you for saying that. The American Gaming Association says that figure nearly doubled what was spent during the same time period in 2020. So what that tells you is as soon as these online gambling apps become available, the amount of money people are gambling immediately doubled. That's, that doesn't sound good. Okay. There you go. Uh, here's another stat. This, this might tell you, uh, I mean, think about the profit motive that's here for these companies, right? Gambling companies like FanDuel and DraftKings spent $1 million trying to get a foothold in Louisiana. They hired 16 of the state's top lobbyists to eliminate opposition. And they, of course, won. The, the legislature voted to allow gambling. And then Louisiana State University struck a deal with Caesars Sportsbook to give Caesars digital and broadcast sponsorship rights to all major LSU sports. So that's where this is going is pretty soon every Power 5 university has a has a deal with one of these companies where it's like you can be the exclusive advertiser at our stadium or that's on our insane. sporting events. And, of course, they're trying to cap – like anybody who's like – who are the people that are most bought into sports? It's the rabid fans who have the Huskers app on their phone yeah. and who are, have season tickets and are going to show oh, up, right? wow. So, sorry, is there a Huskers I just, app? Did I just make that up? No, <laughs> I, I just know. got convicted that I, if I might have it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there are sites devoted to, right, like fandom. You know, there's like a SI online for the Huskers and there's a 24-7 sports. You know, like it's, it's the people who are most driven to care about these sports. And so now if my love for college sports is sponsored by and, and, and intimately connected to a vehicle to bet on that. And that app has been given permission by the university to say, hey, when you come to an LSU game, guess what's going to pop up on your phone? It's like, hey, do you want to wager on this game, right? I guarantee those kind of interconnections will happen because software designers get paid money. Just said that to Bethany because her <laughs> husband's a software designer. <laughs> Just, so so th- they're going to integrate these things in a way that makes it feel seamless. And so, so that's, and, and here's another one. Another stat uh, in Arizona last year, when they were trying to get Arizona to, you know, once this the uh, sports betting got approved in Arizona, uh, these companies handed out more than thirty-one million dollars in first-hit promotional credits, like free drugs from a drug dealer. Yeah. So what this is is, hey, Chris, sign up for this app. We'll give you two hundred dollars to make your first bets. So they're giving away thirty-one million dollars. Why would any company give away thirty-one million dollars? Answer. Because they know they're going to make it back when you gamble. Yeah. Like, they're not, they're not dumb. They know if they give you 200 bucks to wager, you're going to eventually lose it, and then you're going to put more money in there, and then they're yeah. going to make money off you. Yeah. Here's, and this is a little bit more subtle as far as the, the, the ways that this mindset. So I've noticed more when I'll, I'll read an article about a particular team or player that within the analysis, I think this is just about oh, the player. it's embedded. Now it's... And such and such team covered the spread. Like it's like analyzing the team's yes. performance through whether or not, not just if they won or lost, or the yards or the points or whatever. It's covering spread now. Yes. And so gambling has been integrated into just our analysis of sports and teams. Tell me that isn't trying to. Hey, you want to know this team's really good at covering the spread? Maybe you should put some money on them. Mm, that's hey, good. How about this argument? Like for the guy who, especially the guy right now. Like, I bet there's a 31-year-old dude right now being like, you know what, I'm actually that guy. I can earmark 500 bucks and walk out or be done. And I think those guys exist. Maybe. Not very many. Okay. <laughs> Jesse's a little more pessimistic than I am. Introduce me to one. Okay. 
this this is a little bit more of a sobering stat. With phones, you have 10 million prostitutes in your pocket. Now you have 10,000 bookies too. It's the enemy's way of taking our focus off of who we are, who God made us to be, and it's just evil. That's not a stat. That's a quote. That's a quote from a, a, a counselor. Here's another stat that is actually a stat. Gambling may be the most dangerous of all addictive behaviors, he's saying. It has the highest suicide rate with one in five problem gamblers attempting to take their own lives. I learned that by reading this article. I had no idea. Yeah. But the shame around losing your money, which is why arguably you would want your 23-year-old knucklehead brother having a sport bike and going down the interstate at 80 miles an hour more than you would want him gambling because eventually he's going to mature sell the sport bike and probably <laughs> buy, buy a minivan. minivan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the chances of that are higher than him not having an addiction to gambling with just a phone in his pocket. Yeah, that's really good. So I would take that sport bike all day. Yeah. I mean, I still won't allow it, but I'm just saying no, that, that's a good word. That's what you want. Yeah. Um, so that now here's, so here's what's interesting as we think about a, a Christian analysis of sports betting, right? Um, it, there's a bell curve here. And I would say, actually, most mature people probably can bet every once in a while and not not become addicted to something, right? But in the same way that, well, sure, you can use your smartphone too. But the 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 um, the problem with app based sports betting is it has all the same deleterious effects that social media does and that anything on our phones does. Which is, of course, technically, you have the power not to look at it, but the whole experience is designed to pull you in the same way that Instagram is or Snapchat or anything else, right? So the all the things that make it difficult for us to just set our phone down and have a conversation are the same things in play here. In addition to the possibility of winning a lot of money, right? Feeling the joy of like, oh man, I, I bet on the right spread and I, I want, right? So there's a competitive aspect to it plus the phone aspect of it. And I, I guess what I'm saying is to, to analyze this, there probably are people out there thinking like, okay, you guys are overreacting. I mean, you know, a, a mindful person is going to be able to just not do this. And I think that's actually true. I think a person that has integrity and virtue is going to be able to say, you know what? I need boundaries here. I need accountability here. I'm not going to get into this. This is probably not a good thing. The challenge is those are not the kind of people we're worried about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. The, if, you, if that's you, great. I'm worried about the person in your gospel community who is who, who doesn't have those capabilities or who is more prone to this. I'm worried about my sons and your sons who are young and impressionable and who if all their buddies in the fraternity house are betting on sports and like, hey, dude, let's go in on this and bet, there's all kinds of reasons why they're probably going to be like, yeah, cool. And so I don't think – I don't – my goal here isn't to sound alarmist of like, oh, now that this exists, everybody's going to be a gambling addict and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But I think it is our job as Christians to say – how should how ought we to think about something like sports betting? And there, are, there's an interesting point in this article where um, the, the they they're talking to these counselors who do at a university they they do sort of like addiction recovery counseling, and the counselor says this: um, We don't spend much time debating whether gambling is a sin. First and foremost, I say gambling is just not helpful. It actually causes destruction. So let's focus on doing what is good and doing what is helpful, which I think is actually a good common sense approach. They're saying yeah. like, hey, you know what? 
let's not try to go, is this a sinful behavior? Do I have permission to do this or not? And let's just say it's a wisdom category. Yeah, this it's is a, Proverbs. Right. Yeah. Why, why would you do this Yeah. when here are all the possible uh, uh, harmful side effects? And in additionally, there's a lot better things you could be doing with 200 bucks than gambling it on the yeah. Super Bowl or on a college football game or on the Masters or whatever it might be. So yeah. for... for to, to frame it as a wisdom issue, I think is the right way to go about it. Because what it does, I, I remember when I was growing up, man, almost every entity in evangelicalism would have said gambling is a sin. I remember a John Piper sermon where he just went in on this and was just like, gambling is a sin. It, you know, he like went off on, and it was when <laughs> it was because Minnesota was evaluating whether they were going to allow some gambling. And he was just like, look, we're not, we're not standing for this. And he made a good point. His whole point was, the reason it's a sin is not because of what it does to you, but because of what it does to society. He's like, hey, our job is to pursue what's good, true, and beautiful and to care about that for others. And because there's such a thing as problem gambling, because 7% of people have this problem, because it leads to 20% of the people that are problem gamblers are going to kill themselves, though all those social costs are good reasons why Christians need to say, nope, this is not okay. We need to stand against this. Uh, so I, I think there's a, an established tradition there that would say gambling is a sin. It is a moral evil. It's wrong. I don't, I think it's actually better to say it's also just unwise. Like it's a dumb thing to do. So I'd rather, rather than having the fight over, you know, is it, is it a sin or not a sin? I'd rather have the fight over, uh, is it a wise thing to do or not a wise thing to do? Exactly. That, Cause I don't, I don't think you can really argue. Oh, it's really wise. Yeah. <laughs> are you as a 24 year old or however old you are sowing to wisdom, sowing to stewardship or are you sowing to, you know, a lack of wisdom and risk taking because it? I need a thrill in my life. Like you even think of just what what is this? Who is this making you? As far as how you make decisions, how you steward the resources God has given you. And so again, I, I agree, Bob. I think it is a wisdom issue, but wisdom cries out and hear mm. wisdom. You know, Let's the go. the book of Proverbs there when it talks about money, like that there there is unwise, foolish ways to use your money, and that path leads to ruin. And so if, if you're wanting to, like, considering who do I want to be? Do I want to be the wise person in Proverbs or the foolish person? What, what, would, <laughs> what would Proverbs probably say about sports gambling? Uh, the, who's, who's doing that? The, the wise person in Proverbs or the foolish person? And there's stats. Yeah. I mean, there's just stats to back this stuff up, you know? And is it a sin for me to own a sport bike, Dusty? No, but it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, there you go. That's the that thing. should be and your like, answer on and betting. No one too. thinks you're cool. You have to look at you have to look at insurance rates, and then you end up doing your math and go, "Well, this looks like a bad idea." Everyone on Dodge is do laughing that. at you. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I mean, they're not waving at you. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you that no girl will ever be impressed. Ooh. by you betting on sports. Oh, they're just gonna find that. Incredibly stupid. <laughs> it's true. I'm, yeah. just, I'm serious. Like it's I good. think it's really dumb. Hey, I, I gamble my money away. You want to? You want to marry me? <laughs> <laughs> just every now and then. I mean, I just kind of do it every now and then, right? Like that's actually the point that this article is making is because of the addictive nature. Once you meet the girl and have the kids, you've isol You've learned all this in isolation in college as a young man, mostly. And so it just, it's going to permeate into that and you're not even going to see any of that coming. And so that's why the sport bike's better. Do you think now, now the other side, so this article does interview a guy who, according to what he says, 
He's like, yeah, I have a limit for myself. Here's how much I bet. And I've been doing it since he's like 30 something. He's like, yeah, my buddies and I started doing this in college. We have a, we have a ceiling, but it's a way for us to sort of like feel like something is at stake when we watch a game. So we all root for the same teams. We're like, Hey, are you betting on the game today? Do you think there's a place for that kind of like, is there a, a context in which dusty, this could be, you know, within community and with some guardrails that are intelligent, is there is there room for this to be like, yeah, I, I could do that with a clear conscience? Here's what I think. I think that community is really thin, mm. and it's built around this, and I'm like, well, of course, everybody's longing for a community. If your community is built around this, you have a totally different problem, and you need actual, deep, rich, gospel-centered community. Okay. Chris? Now. Mm. I... I I don't know. I mean, now, Dusty, this is why I want, you're one of my favorite pastors. I think you're right on. I'm, I just think that point, like if somebody's going to argue me that point, I'm like, okay, that's just dumb. Like it's just thin. That argument mm. is thin to me. It's flimsy. Yeah. Now, if you guys want to bet me something about bringing snacks to the next <laughs> podcast well, that's tangible and edible, and I like you guys and trust you, and I'm probably not going to get addicted to that kind of behavior that kind of stuff. I'm okay. Into. But so, so how is this different? Cause I think it is different, but I want to understand the how, like, you know, occasionally when I play golf with people, I'll be like, Hey, 20, 20 bucks on this game, you know, like it's, we're playing 18 holes. Let's, let's go in on it. It's going to cost you something to lose. Yeah. And it's just a way to make it a little more interesting. And like, I got something to bet, or it might be like, Hey, yeah, it's fun. Somebody's buying a beer after yeah, this. Yeah, it's either yeah, be yep, you or me, you yeah, know? So yeah. it's a way to sort of like put something at stake. Uh, how is this, do you think different from that? Isolation. The app, I mean, the yeah, app-based app. nature of it. It's all app-based. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's the isolation. It's actual addictive behavior. The research has been done that once you take this hit, you will take <laughs> another hit and it won't be a beer after a golf match. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what, what you're doing in that moment is you're, you're trying to create sense of competition, fun, risk, like th- those things are good. And I think for guys to do that. But what those things have are built-in limitations that this is throwing off. It's throwing off all limitations. And I think even with some of the other forms of gambling where it's the, the encouragement is always towards more, 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 more. Where in something like that, because, it, okay, let's, let's take your scenario again. What if you just kept upping the ante and upping the ante until it got to like this ridiculous level of like, you know, <laughs> you, you realize that, that has, it's sort of jumped the shark. It right. Yes. Become the limita- I'm not the, a good enough golfer to put yeah, that much money on the it. The good limitation that that could be that it's a good sense of risk and a good sense of camaraderie and fun competition. You've, you've blown open the, the limitation to where now it's foolishness. So I, I would say the difference is, is the built-in limitation for the kind of the nature of what's being, what's being bet, what's being risked, how that is playing out. The And I think to Dusty's point, the relational dynamic that's there if it's creating limitation on that, then then that's going to be more in the, the realm of wisdom. And, and I think even healthy, the healthy type of risk and competition that guys and, and gals, but people should engage in. I think it is healthy to do that. So I don't want to sound like, you know, you should never risk. Yeah. Yeah. But, risk is good. Yeah. But how that's playing out. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's what I was pushing on for like, is there is betting between friends, is this a vehicle for bets between friends that can be friendly and community building rather than isolating? So I, I guess I'm saying I could see contexts of which, hey, let's let's use this app together. The danger seems to be 
you also don't know if I might be using the app alone. Like I might be feeding your addiction just by saying, hey man, let's bet some money on this game. Because I'm just saying, does this not just provide a platform to do what we would do in our golf match anyway? You know, it just might be about the national championship and I might be like, hey man, let's put 10 bucks on this game. I think people do that like relationally every once in a while, you know, where it's like, hey, let's, let's, make, let's put something at stake here. Um, and I guess what I'm just trying to ask the, the, you know, the devil's advocate question of, hey, isn't this just another platform for that kind of community? It seems like that's a totally different thing. The more I'm hearing you and the more I'm reading this article particularly, because the isolation aspect of this and the idea that I can take this risk and possibly win is going to do something to me psychologically and in it's doing something to me emotionally and psychologically to the point where I'm going to do it again. 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 It has nothing to do with friendship. It has nothing to do with community at that point. Yeah. It just, and that's why it's this slippery slope towards addictive behavior. That seems, that still seems tangibly different than the golf, than the, the other ways that friends can banter and bet. Hmm. Um, just so you understand the, the difference here, this is another stat in the article. Uh, UCLA had a did a study where they studied gambling by gender, and they found the sexes equally attracted to lotteries. So if you're going to go buy a lotto ticket, men, women, about the same. Um, slightly preferential when it came to slot machines versus card tables. So apparently women preferred slot machines. Men preferred playing cards, blackjack, whatever. Sports betting, here's the gap in sports betting. 24% of men, 2% of women in this study. So that just shows you like th- th- there's a way imbalance here when it comes to sports betting. It seems to be a pretty male heavy kind of gambling compared to other forms. And I, that seems to sort of play into some of the things you guys are tapping into the, the adventure side of it, the high level of risk, the, and the, and the connection to like, ah, it's kind of something I'm interested in anyway. You know um, I, I think what, what should let's, let's close it this way. How do you think knowing this is coming down the pike, and knowing that, hey, you know what, there's going to be men in our churches who uh, have struggles here. What's the, what's the path forward? How can we be helpful in helping people to put this to death and move away from these kinds of uh, decisions? Do you guys think it should be something that men should ask each other about more? I just think of like thinking about pornography and I know a lot of guys that have accountability partners. Like, should it just be something that is maybe more part of your conversations with your friendships. Yeah. I think if, if, if I've acknowledged, Hey, this is a problem. For, I think it'd be weird for me to be like, Dusty, you bet on any games lately. Cause I'd just be, <laughs> I'd be making an assumption. Like, uh, yeah, I don't want to yeah. start there, but I think as it's, if someone's put forward, like, Hey man, I like, this is a, this is a challenge for me. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I think, you know, the filter for me would probably be, how much of a risk taker are you? So like for me, I'm just not a risk taker. I like calculated risk and giving away money to my You ride your moped down Dodge. Giving away. (laughs) I did have one. I did have one. You know why? It it didn't go on Dodge. It doesn't go fast enough to go on Dodge. (laughs) Yeah, it was a gas mileage thing. It was a gas mileage decision. But I would say like for high risk takers, people who are really into sports, and especially as, you know, like the LSU example earlier, as soon as like just DraftKings is my, you know, for you, like if it's Oklahoma and it's yeah. just DraftKings, well, okay. And you, it's just like, it's the first John principle. You still have to be bringing that to me. But if you're that kind of personality and I'm going to be a good friend, I'm going to need to be asking you about that because hmm. it's just going to creep up on you. It's just going to pop up on your phone. It's going to be, 
you're going to be susceptible to it because it's risky. It's fun. You might win. If you win, apparently that's a bad sign. Yeah. I mean, to, to a point you've been driving home about thick relationships, connectivity. I mean, hopefully we're building cultures in our churches that when people have these issues, what are they, what kind of culture are they met with? A culture that wants to bring them deeper into community and stewardship. So I think having, building those, I mean, again, this isn't necessarily directly related to this specific issue, but you, you want that. Are we encouraging those kinds of relationships, friendships among men that can, can catch something like this and can, can disciple and care for a guy if he's caught in this? And do we have good categories of stewardship that you can lean into and encourage guys in? So I'm starting with, you know, and assuming, Hey, let's build this kind of culture that's, that's going to be able to serve guys, particularly guys in this to start with. But I think from there, um, man, pushing, I think again, pushing into, and I think each guy's different. What is it? What's going on here? What's the heart level idol? What's the heart level need? Like, what are, what are you after in these kinds of things? And having those levels of conversation more than just like, you know, Hey, get off your phone. And cause I'm sure if you tell them to get off their phone and take their phone away, it'll, it'll pop up somewhere else. And so, um, getting, getting, always getting at hearts with guys and, and trying to get underneath that. Pastorally, I have had this conversation. I have had guys come to me. Yeah. I haven't had any gals going off of the stats. Yeah. I haven't had any gals come to me, you know, and so I don't want to sin knows no gender, but, um, I do think, you know, I have, I have seen this pastorally. This article is a little bit more alarming, um, and we don't want to be alarmist, but I have experienced this in our church with some of my relationships. Well, I think um, th- I'm intrigued by what you said, Chris, in two ways. I want to, like, I wonder if a place to start. So can we think about spiritual disciplines as a proactive way of fighting this temptation. So what I what I wonder what I was thinking as you were talking is I wonder how many men who are betting on sports are also tithing 10% of their income to the local church. <laughs> I bet it's not very many. Yeah. Do you yeah. know why? Yeah. Because tithing has a way of disciplining your soul in terms of stewardship. Right. And this seems like the kind of thing that people do that that haven't disciplined themselves to think about what else might I be spending this 50 bucks on, you know. Um so so it's interesting that part of why spiritual disciplines exist is, is not just because they're good for us, but also because they train us, they form us in ways that work against some of these more foolish yeah. temptations. Yep. So I think that's interesting. But the other thing I wanted to say is for me, and my, I might just be weird. So you guys can tell me if this applies to anyone else. You heard it Bethany's like, yes, you are. she's <laughs> laughing because she's like, actually, thank you for saying that. You are weird. Um, but I, for, for me, one of the things that works for me in this area is just to know, like, when I know that FanDuel and DraftKings spent a million dollars to get legislation passed and hired a bunch of lobbyists, it pisses me off. And I'm like, well, that, I want to I want to fight those. Like, yeah. that's yeah. just that's just somebody putting their thumb on the scale and saying, we know we're going to make so much money off this. We'll just spend whatever it takes to get this passed. And so when I know sort of the the power structure that lies behind it, it helps me go, man, I don't want to further. I don't want to help that thing get further into our society. I actually, it motivates me to say, I want to be part of the resistance. I want to be one of the people that's like, yeah, I'm not helping that thing gain any more traction. And there's something about that for me as a Christian that just helps me go, man, it actually galvanizes my soul to say, I'm not, I don't want to start down this road just because that 
is motivating to me to say, I'm not going to do that to my neighbors and to my friends and to, you know, the kids that live on my street and the college students that are in our church. I, I don't want to further this thing in society. Yeah. Don't, don't fall for the claims of, Hey, this is going to give us more money for schools and offset tax. Like that's not their heart. (laughs) (laughs) It's good PR though. Yeah. It's really good PR. I, I think that's actually a really good point, Bob, of like, Hey, look at, What's going on? The heart and the motivation behind the people driving this, it's money. They want your money. Fight the power. Which is super fascinating to me because it has zero to do with gambling for them. They're like, they're doing the math. If we invest this much, we will make tons of money. The house always wins, as they say. Yeah. They're making tons of money off the vulnerable. I also want to say, hey, we've talked pretty passionately about this, and I and it's just true that there's just a lot of shame around this. So if this is your story, just because we've passionately spoken about it around this article, do not hesitate to reach out. Absolutely nobody has downloaded this app and said, you know what I want to do is be an addict. So hmm. if that's, that's you, you know, this is a slippery slope. You, it might have just gotten the best of you. And again, like Bob said at the beginning, we want to be helpful pastors and disciple you along the way. So. Don't stay in your shame. If that's the case, reach out. Well, I think there's, you know, it's funny. There's always, um, there's always stories here. They're like in my mind, I'm like, I don't think I can tell that story because it's somebody's life, you know, but there's enough things we've walked through pastorally connected to these things that just, there's part of the passion is just like, yep, I've, I've spent a lot of time on the other side of the room from someone who has a really hard story to tell in this area and who has dealt with some of the carnage that this creates. And so that just always makes me want to say, hey, I want not very many people to have to walk that road. Um, And and so understand that underneath some of the passion behind this is not just like abstraction about problem gambling, but pastoral concern of like the human beings that this has affected that I know personally and, and not wanting people to have to walk that road. So there you go, everyone. Sports betting, it's coming to a smartphone near you and you're going to keep seeing ads for it for the next 10 million years so galvanize yourself and be ready the goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission so if you're a christian or a church leader in another context we thank you for listening in and we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context We always love to hear from listeners, so if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Wednesday Conversations.